I would like to acknowledge that the land on which this podcast is recorded on is the traditional lands of the Ghana people and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to them today. We strive towards reconciliation for all Australians and recognise that this starts by acknowledging, understanding and educating ourselves on the past in order to work towards making a better future. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Bright Psych with Danny, where we talk mental health, learning and everything in between. Although we will be chatting about psychology and well-being, the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute therapy, nor is this podcast intended as a substitute for professional mental health or medical care. Please seek assistance from a qualified mental health or medical professional to obtain advice or psychological treatment that is tailored to your specific needs. We have been hearing in the media a lot recently about the use of e-cigarettes, or more commonly known as vapes. However, because the development of these products is relatively new, not much is known about them and their impacts on health and overall well-being. But what the data has shown is that the popularity of vaping products has been steadily on the rise in Australia over recent years, even amongst children and young people. It has become a silent epidemic in schools across Australia and has become an addiction that can be hard to break free from. As we watch young people grapple with the allure of e-cigarettes, we find ourselves asking, what led to the rise of vaping amongst teens and what makes it so enticing to our youth? Today, we're going to be looking at the history of e-cigarettes, what the research shows us about the current trends of use and its impacts on physical and mental health. We are going to explore the influences on how vapes have become so appealing to young people and try to understand the reasons behind how it has become so addictive. Today, we are joined by two very special guests, Dr. Joshua Trigg, a researcher in public health at Flinders University, and Professor Nicholas Spurrier, Chief Public Health Officer at SA Health. They will be providing us with in-depth information about e-cigarettes and vaping amongst young people, what research is being conducted in the field, and what educational and public health messaging can do to help prevent young people from picking up a vape in the first place. Stay tuned though, because later in the episode, we'll be chatting about what we can do as adults to help support our young people who might be struggling and how to have effective conversations about vaping and addiction. So how did it all start? The development of the first e-cigarettes started in about 2003, and they first hit the market in 2006. It was originally developed and marketed as a cigarette cessation tool. At the time, it was thought of as a nicotine replacement therapy, but this was just based on what the e-cigarette companies had said, and there was no actual research done at the time to prove this claim. So then in about 2008, the World Health Organization, also known as WHO, released a statement stating that the e-cigarette is not a proven nicotine replacement therapy and that there was no specific evidence to confirm the product's safety and efficacy. 
The World Health Organization also stated that marketers should immediately remove from their website and other informational materials any suggestion that who considers it to be a safe and effective smoking cessation aid. Yikes. In 2009, Australia then banned the possession and sale of electronic cigarettes, also known as vapes, that contained nicotine. A whole bunch of other legislation is put forward and restrictions around sale and importation are put in place in other countries around the world at this time too. Some more studies are done and in 2011, the first clinical trial was conducted and it found that there was some effectiveness of e-cigarettes as a nicotine replacement therapy, particularly for current smokers who aren't really motivated to quit. Although I will note that at the bottom of this research paper, It outlined in competing interests that the lead researcher started working as a consultant at the e-cigarette company that supplied the vapes for this clinical trial. Uh. Anyway, some other studies are conducted after this and they showed some similar but not massively convincing results. Then Professor Emily Banks, a world-renowned researcher in epidemiology and public health from the Australian National University, reported on ABC's Four Corners. She stated that there is limited evidence in the research that shows that e-cigarettes might be useful in helping to reduce smoking cigarettes. During this time, many countries are still really hesitant to relax restrictions on e-cigarette use. And fair enough, there's no evidence yet to prove any long-term impacts of vaping and the harm it could do to the general public. It was and still is such a new product. So vaping products were originally introduced as a cigarette cessation tool, but we also know that this isn't why our young people started using them. So let's look into the history of the design and marketing of vapes. E-cigarettes actually started off looking like an actual cigarette, complete with the light-up tips when you inhale. But later models of e-cigarettes started becoming more sleek and customizable to the point where some of them started to look like really trendy tech products. Some designers of these newer generation e-cigarettes talk about how they wanted to make the product sleek and contemporary. They're released in exciting and fun colors and the tech-like appearance of them allowed them to become more inconspicuous and so there was less social stigma and they kind of looked cool. There is a big problem in all of this though where e-cigarettes have been advertised as being nicotine-free. Data shows that when the majority of these products have been tested, they have still been found to have nicotine in them. Let's look now at vaping trends amongst teenagers. In 2022, the South Australian Commissioner for Children and Young People released a report with key findings in vaping. 950 young people in South Australia between the ages of 13 and 19 completed the Commissioner's Vaping Survey. Of the 950 people surveyed, two out of three reported that they had tried vaping. And out of the young people who had tried vaping, almost one in four described themselves as regular vapors, meaning that they vaped on most days. And in terms of rising rates of vaping, Research prepared by Cancer Victoria for the Australian Health Department collected data between January 2018 through to March 2023. They found that in 2018, only 0.8% of young people aged between 14 and 17 years used e-cigarettes. Compare this to March 2023, where now 14.5% of 14 to 17-year-olds use e-cigarettes. Interestingly, 
A similar upwards trend in cigarette use has also been observed in this report. With 2.1% of 14 to 17-year-olds smoking cigarettes in 2018, with it increasing to 12.8% in 2023. The lead researcher on this report, Professor Sarah Durkin, stated in a media release to the ABC that this is the first time that we've seen an increase in teen smoking since the early to mid-1990s. This study found a large increase in the prevalence of vaping from late 2020 through to 2023. Why is this though? It might have started with some clever marketing. This definitely wouldn't be the only factor, but the marketing of e-cigarettes has been very clever, with their products being packaged in a way that seemed pretty appealing to children. Wait a second. Advertising towards children? I would never. Hang on. Let's go back to the 1960s, back when cigarettes were also, um, yeah, they, they were also advertised to kids. Here's a soundbite from a 1961 commercial featuring the favourite characters of a much-loved children's cartoon, The Flintstones. Gee, we ought to do something, Fred. Okay. Think about taking a nap. Wait, I got a better idea. Let's take a Winston break. Winston is the one the cigarette that delivers flavour 20 times a pack. But what has this got to do with vaping? Well, let's draw some parallels here for a moment. When vapes were first advertised in the USA, there were a lot of parallels that can be drawn between the vaping ads and those old cigarette ads. Professor Becky Freeman, a researcher from the University of Sydney, stated on ABC's Four Corners that a major global e-cigarette company started off by advertising with young, trendy models using their devices. And these adverts were even seen in teen magazines and on children's cartoon websites. There were a lot of common marketing themes between cigarettes in the mid-1900s and e-cigarettes, particularly around relaxation, sharing, travel, freedom and sex appeal, and the only reference to them having nicotine in them was a minuscule fine print at the bottom of their ads. In Australia, things are a little bit different when it comes to advertising. Nicotine vaping products such as nicotine e-cigarettes, nicotine pods and liquid nicotine have all been regulated as prescription medicines since 2009 and the advertising of prescription medications to consumers is generally prohibited in Australia. The Lung Foundation Australia have indicated that the increase in vaping trends here may be attributed to the novelty nature of these devices, the influence of family or friends who vape, and the incorrect perception that vaping is relatively harmless when compared to regular cigarettes. It was also stated that viral online trends involving vapes have become increasingly popular amongst young people. In addition to the enticing taste and the smell of vapes becoming a major draw card for young people. Stores where vapes are sold appear as trendy and sleek shopfronts with colourful displays of vapes in all sorts of fun packaging and flavours. Strawberry ice cream, fairy floss, salty caramel in packaging that is actually hard at first glance to tell whether it's a vape or whether it's a chocolate bar or even a children's toy. The New South Wales study titled Generation Vape has highlighted the affordability of vaping products sold in stores and through illegal sale in social circles. It was stated that disposable vaping devices can contain hundreds of puffs and can cost as little as $5. Further to this, 
It was found that it's relatively easy to access and buy vapes, with teens reporting that they can often buy them at stores despite being underage, and when this fails, they can buy them through friends on social media and via websites. For those of you, like me, who are a bit unsure as to how e-cigarettes work, here's Dr Josh Trigg, a public health researcher from Flinders University, to explain it to us. Dr Trigg is a member of the Australasian Professional Society on Alcohol and Other Drugs and the Public Health Association of Australia. He has worked with government health bodies, non-profits and various community organisations across Australia. I work as part of a team that looks at various behaviours that people do that aren't so great for them and the ways that they think and act about them. And yeah, my focus is on smoking, tobacco control and policy and using vapes and nicotine products at the moment. So there are lots of kinds of e-cigarettes, but the ones we see a lot of at the moment are essentially more akin to a mobile phone. They're like a little device with components in it. And you've got your battery, you've got your wicking materials, you've got a little tank and it draws that material up to a heater or a little coil or mesh and use a button to do that. And it produces a vapor that people inhale. By now you might be asking yourself, what's so bad about this though? The problem is that e-cigarettes aren't just flavoured water vapour, as the names vape might suggest. They're like really crappily made devices a lot of times as well. So some of them, you know, the wiring is all shoddy, the plastic's all weird on the inside. If you actually have a look at the teardown videos or breakdown videos of them online, just like check on YouTube, you can see the ones that people are smoking or vaping with at the moment and like yeah they're, they're really really simple devices but they contain some elements that are you know, not so great for you the other elements that are not so good for you well we have another expert here to help explain this to us we are lucky enough to be joined by professor nicola spuria the chief public health officer of the south australian government department for health and well-being you may know professor spuria from the daily updates during the height of the covid19 pandemic Professor Spurrier has generously given us her time today to provide us with information about the harms of e-cigarette use. So the health problems, you really have to think about what is in vapes. And so there's two main categories of problems. One is because of the fact that many, many vapes, in fact, the majority contain nicotine, is that uh, people can develop an addiction to nicotine. And so kids can develop an addiction to nicotine. So there's a range of symptoms that people get because they're addicted and there's a lot of craving associated with it. And then the second thing is there's a whole lot of other chemicals and substances in vapes, some of which we don't even, we're not even aware of because not all of them are listed on the vape. But we do know that some of the chemicals in there could be potentially toxic to young developing lungs or even older people's lungs. But because vapes have only been around for a short time, we don't know the full extent of the impact of those chemicals. And some of those chemicals we use as household products, it's in nail polish, for example. So it's quite frightening to think about what might be being inhaled into a young person's lungs. So there are those two sort of areas that we can think of in terms of the health effects and the symptoms that people might be experiencing associated with that. But then there's also the psychological impacts. Generally, that's associated with the nicotine and with the addiction. So it can increase the rates of anxiety and depression in young people. And it's already a pretty troubling time, you know, and not always so straightforward, a bit bumpy being a teenager. So to have this on top of that can be really quite a, a concern. On top of this, there are some pretty big concerns about people so young developing an addiction to the nicotine that often 
isn't even being listed as an ingredient in the vapes that they are using. This can then have a flow-on effect for other physical and psychological symptoms. So let's have a think about the addiction. So we know that nicotine is one of the most addictive substances, and this is what young people are inhaling. We know actually that vapes can sometimes have 50 times more nicotine than a cigarette. And for parents who might have been smokers and have quit and kicked their habit, just think of how difficult it was. So we've now got young people who are inhaling this and becoming very, very quickly addicted to nicotine. So what you might be experiencing as a young person, or indeed you might notice it's happening with your young person, is that they might be getting irritable, headachey. They might not be able to sleep very well. In fact, I've heard some parents say that their young person's had a vape under their pillow because they have to wake up and suck on it at night because they're so addicted and they get that such a strong craving. So feeling nauseous, not wanting to eat so much, so loss of appetite. So there might be some weight loss associated with that. The I, I talked about the impact psychologically. So feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling super anxious, already feeling anxious enough with your exams and such, you know, to have that on top of it's terrible. And then the other one that can impact on schoolwork is lack of concentration. So these are really quite significant health impacts at a time when a young person really needs to be on the top of their form. Then, of course, if we're thinking about all the other chemicals in there, it's quite high rates of asthma in Australia. So people might find that their asthma gets exacerbated. And of course, this is a time when many young people enjoy doing sports. So you really need to have good air, good quality lungs with air in them. So, you know, there's potentially an impact on young person's performance and on the sporting, on the basketball team or the footy oval or the, or the tennis or the soccer <laughs> for that matter, as well as impact on the schoolwork. We've had a look so far at the history, trends and health implications of vaping, particularly amongst our young people. As adults, it is crucial for us to stay informed about the challenges that our young people may face. Although vaping was once introduced as a smoking cessation tool, thanks to some questionable marketing strategies, it has evolved into a very concerning trend amongst our youths. Knowing what we know now about the negative impacts and addictive nature of vapes, how can we create a safe and non-judgmental space for our young people to ask for support to kick the habit? Perhaps you've already had a conversation with a young person about their vaping habits. If so, how did you find that conversation? The increase in rates of vaping amongst our young people poses serious health risks, both physically and psychologically. So addressing the potential addiction to nicotine and its impact on the well-being of young people is crucial. There are vaping campaigns that are aimed to educate young people about e-cigarettes with the intent to reduce the use of vaping and to prevent young people from using e-cigarettes in the first place. And these educational campaigns can be effective for these populations of young people. However, what about when young people have already developed an addiction to nicotine? The nicotine that they may or may not have known was in the vape in the first place. Coming up, Dr Trigg will be telling us a little more about the effectiveness of these educational campaigns and the creative ways that researchers are keeping these campaigns engaging and effective. And we'll also be discussing what pathways we can guide our young people down to seek professional support for nicotine addiction. Right now, 
We have Professor Nicola Spurrier again speaking with us about some of the scary stats about nicotine being snuck into vapes and how we might be able to overcome the challenges young people are facing with nicotine addiction from vaping. So at the moment in Australia and in South Australia, having nicotine in vapes, so selling nicotine-containing vapes, is completely illegal. But what the problem is, as opposed to cigarettes, is when you put nicotine in a vape, because it's a solution, the nicotine is colourless, odourless and tasteless. So you can't tell by looking at it whether there's nicotine. So it's been very, very easy for the people that manufacture vapes to put nicotine in and nobody knows. But what's ended up is we've now got young people addicted to nicotine. And this next thing that happens from that is much more likely to take up cigarettes, which I think is the reason why we have illegal nicotine in vapes. So vapes that don't have nicotine are able to be sold. What we have found, and this is information that New South Wales has done, they've analysed how much nicotine is in vapes that are being sold as nicotine-free or there's just nothing on it that says how much nicotine. And about 80% or over 80% of vapes that you buy have nicotine, regardless of what it says on the packaging. And really, when I talk to parents and, and talk to educators about how do we manage this problem in schools, and sometimes it's been like trying to punish the child because, or the young person, because they're doing something wrong or naughty. You know what? The only people that are doing something wrong or naughty are the people that are making and supplying nicotine containing vapes to our community, particularly to our young people. They're the people that need to be punished, not our young people. So how can we know when a vape has nicotine in it? You simply cannot tell. You cannot tell. What's on the packaging is not reliable. So you need to treat every vape as containing nicotine, which is exactly why our Commonwealth government has said they would like to ban all vapes in Australia. The only vape that would be available, or e-cigarette as I should call it technically, is one that has been approved by the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, for a doctor to prescribe to somebody who is trying to get off cigarette smoking. And that would be in a therapeutic relationship where you're also supporting the person to quit smoking. And what are the dangers of not knowing if a vape has nicotine in it or not? Uh, you will become addicted to nicotine and you will not be able to stop vaping. You will not be able to stop spending your money on vapes. Um, and you will then run the risk of having these ongoing health effects plus the impact on your schooling and also potentially if you're a sports person um, on your ability to play sport. And I'm also thinking you have a lot of students that play music and I also play the oboe and I know how much breath you need for that instrument. You have a lot of wind instruments here. Just think about the impact on other parts of your life. We will hear more from Professor Nicola Spurrier about vaping and how to support young people who may already be struggling with nicotine addiction later in today's episode. Education plays a fundamental role in ensuring that our young people are getting the facts about e-cigarette use and its associated risks. Dr Joshua Trigg and his team at Flinders University in South Australia are conducting research into how public health messages around the dangers of vaping resonate with young people. Let's hear Dr Trigg's insights on how these campaigns are landing with both young people and the broader community. A lot of the vaping campaigns that people see, they're, they're backed by evidence, they're very carefully and cleverly designed, and I mean, you've just got to look at what's happening in the US from places like the Truth Initiative and that, some really hilarious stuff out there. Australia's got similar stuff going on. 
But I think because there's quite a lot of it, sometimes younger people, at least in some of the smaller research that we've done, not get overwhelmed, but uh, find it a little bit easier to sort of say, oh, I've seen that already. So for all these campaigns to work, they've got to really, they've got to really land and get in there. What we're looking at is uh, how people respond to the campaigns that are out there. So we're looking at how, how younger people think about the risk to their own health, how much risk they're willing to take or expose themselves to, how they react to different kinds of campaigns. So it's fear-based campaigns, humor-based ones, ones that just present the facts, combinations of these. There's all sorts of work out there at the moment. Some of it's like really backed by evidence and some of it's um, being produced really quickly because it needs to be out there at the moment. There's a huge need for it. Because vaping has become such a widespread problem over such a short period of time, researchers are looking into all approaches for how to effectively land their health messaging. They're trying to be as creative as possible to figure out what might be the best hook. What I think is really interesting and not a lot of people talking about is the environmental waste side of it. So these things have got lithium ion, lithium polymer batteries in them, plastic housings. And the ones that we're all talking about at the moment, they'll just end up in landfill. And so I find that like endlessly fascinating as a way of latching on to like, you wouldn't use other products just once and then throw them away as a way of talking with younger people about it. Vapes are single-use plastics, cigarette filters, single-use plastic, people are very aware of that. We've got, you know, guidelines and, and laws and things around that. So yeah, I don't know, it's just an interesting angle. And Professor Nicholas Spurrier also shared the same views on the environmental impact that vapes can have. Many young people are worried about our future with climate change and the impact that we as humans have on the environment. These are single-use plastics. We do a lot of work trying to ban other single-use plastics. Young people would be appalled if somebody gave them a plastic straw now at McDonald's, right? Um, or, or another a, a takeaway food store. Um, think about these as single-use plastics and what, what's going to happen when that's thrown away. Not only the plastics, but what about the lithium batteries? So where, what do you have to do with lithium batteries? Really a big storage hazard. Think of all the vapes in Australia and all of the lithium batteries. So these are potentially a fire hazard. So if you imagine a whole lot of them, um, and my team are thinking about that as they have to go in and make seizures of these products when they're doing their enforcement, um, where, where are they stored? So again, for a young person thinking about the future of the world, this is a really important thing in terms of the vapes. Having a conversation with a young person about something like vaping is never an easy one. Our own emotions can sometimes be tricky to manage. As Professor Spurrier highlighted, the addictive nature of e-cigarettes, thanks to the presence of nicotine, adds an extra layer of complexity. Armed with the insights we've shared, how can we initiate these conversations with our young people? And how can we support them in overcoming what might turn into or already might be an addiction? This is not a blame game. It, it, it's irrelevant why the young person took the vape in the first place. Other things like yo-yos and little knuckle bones, you know how their crazes come through for young people. They don't last very long. If these products did not have nicotine in them, this would have just disappeared. You know, the bubblegum flavoured, unicorn coloured vape, they would have just disappeared like other crazes. So please do not have any blame. The only people that should be punished, as I said, are the companies that are um, producing and supplying these products. So have this nice open conversation and be supportive. Appreciate how much this is impacting your young person's life. 
their health, their schoolwork, um, whole aspects of their life, and together support the phone call to the quit line or the phone call to book into the GP. Bring in other family members to support the young person. Have an open conversation as a family so that it's not a hidden, a shameful, the stigmatized way of doing things. Be supportive. This is like any other health problem. Just imagine your young person had cancer. You wouldn't be blaming them for it, right? So be as supportive as you can as a, a school, as a community, as a peer group. Your friends support you, your parents, all of us. And where might be the best place to start for someone who is helping a young person with quitting vaping? So um, the quit line and definitely uh, general practice, but also SA Health has a range of useful information. So I do recommend going to our website as well and and taking a look there to, to really get the facts. Because as I said before, knowledge is empowering. Get the knowledge and be ahead of the game. Today... We've delved into the history, evolving trends and critical health implications of vaping, especially amongst our youth. From the early days when e-cigarettes were pitched as smoking cessation tools to the current concerning rise in vaping amongst young people. Education has emerged as a key player in combating the vaping problem and public health campaigns aimed to reduce and prevent the use of e-cigarettes can also play a part. As adults, we can all play a role in educating our young people about the risks associated with vaping, including the physical and psychological impacts it can have on them, as well as the environmental impact that single-use vapes can have. As we've discussed today, e-cigarette use can be highly addictive. But for a lot of young people, they may not have tried it and might never want to. And for some others, they might have tried it once or twice, but they haven't developed an addiction. For these young people, it is just as important to have conversations about the harms of e-cigarettes, just like you would with any other substances that could be misused. Get ahead of the game by having calm and constructive conversations about the impact that using vapes can have on their physical health, learning and their mental health. You can also speak with them about the significant environmental impact that vapes can have as a single-use plastic. You can relay information from public health campaigns, but there's no need to reinvent the wheel because you can check out resources from places like the SA Health website and the Department for Education website about vaping. You can also take a look at a series of short video clips that have been developed by ABC's Dr Carl titled Vape Truths. And a quick search on YouTube will help you see some pretty eye-opening and less-than-sanitary ways that they mass-produce single-use vapes in factories overseas. And of course, you can tell them about this podcast episode and ask them to listen in. I'll link all those resources that I just referred to in the show notes. However, unfortunately, for some young people, they are dealing with a very real addiction to nicotine. There may be some young people who want to quit, but they're unsure of what to do or they're unsure of who they might be able to reach out to. It's crucial for us as adults to create a safe and non-judgmental space for young people to seek support in overcoming vaping addiction. As Professor Nicholas Spurrier said, it's not a blame game. As adults, we can be worried and disappointed if our young person is addicted to e-cigarettes, But we also know that reacting with anger, shame and judgment might just close a window of opportunity to support them to get the help that they really need. Now that we have the information about e-cigarettes, we can demonstrate empathy whilst also expressing our concern in these conversations. 
As adults, we can initiate these tricky conversations and seek help from others to support us and our young people in having them. We're not asking young people to do something we wouldn't do ourselves. So let's role model the importance of discussing our emotions openly and create a safe space for everyone involved. And remember, it might not just be one conversation you have that fixes everything overnight. Your young person might need some space after that first conversation to think and then come back. As long as the consistent message that they are getting is that you're there for them and that you want to help them and that you care. Like we've said in previous episodes, consistent, persistent and predictable support from adults can go a long way. If you haven't yet, tune into episode three, The Power of Validation, to learn more about effective conversations with young people. I'll also leave some links to resources in the show notes with some tips about how to have conversations with young people about vaping. Having open, non-judgmental and shame-free conversations can help young people to take that first step to call up or do an online chat with Quitline or to visit the GP to discuss options like nicotine replacement therapy, counselling and other types of support. The SA Health website also has some excellent resources and information and you'll find all of these links along with some other resources about the information we've covered today in the show notes. A big shout out to our special guests today, Dr. Josh Trigg from Flinders University and, of course, Professor Nicholas Spurrier, Chief Public Health Officer at SA Health. Make sure you hit that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you access your podcasts from so that you can be kept up to date with the release of our new episodes. Don't keep us all to yourselves, though. Please tell your friends about this little podcast so that we can help spread the knowledge. That's all for today. I'm Danny O'Connor. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.